telling you? In my mind, I created it. Don't you? I created it, and it's real. Don't you understand? Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee the Third. As always, I am joined by Jack Allison. Jack, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, Leslie. Uh, glad to be here, as always. So we got a lot of hot topics to talk about mm-hmm. tonight. I don't even know where to start. I mean, so much shit is going down. Jack, where where would you like to start today? Do you want to start with DC and uh, the big news around DC? When the headlines came out, even the most informed people, the the ones you know who follow this stuff, thought they may be being pranked in some way, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers Discovery, a once great movie studio, once the over greatest the Discovery Channel, over at the Discovery studio. Channel, at the, the Investigation Discovery. Um, <laughs> Uh, sub page that is, yeah. that is Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, HBO. James Gunn has taken over the helm of DC Pictures, along with uh, producer Peter Safran. Yeah, who who knows was a colleague of Walter Amada, who was pushed out by David Zaslav because David Zaslav walked in and was like, "What the fuck? Why isn't there a Superman movie?" <laughs> Why don't we even have a Superman? Why is yeah. it that we can't show Superman, sir? Oh, why have you given J.J. Abrams $700 million to make nothing? One of those nothings was supposed to be the uh, black Superman movie written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> we'll talk, we'll get in that to, into, into that in a second. But yes, James Gunn, who we must, Go back in the timeline. We must point out the history of this because he's at this point where he's been handed more power than he's ever had in his his entire career because he joked about being a pedophile on Twitter and got fired by Disney. This is like the most, you know, Elmer Fudd getting the, you know, finger in his shotgun and the shotgun blowing up on his own face I've ever seen happen. Mike Cernovich, like, tried to get James Gunn canceled for old tweets. Disney did fall for it. And that started a domino of events that has now put James Gunn in charge of Superman and Batman. He's been handed this power, even though his attempt at making a DC superhero film flopped, like, just straight up flopped. Just made the thing is though that the thing is though that there's an excuse for for that. You know what I mean? And like there was COVID, and they feel like they can sort of make excuses for movies making no money anymore. And it was well liked by the sort of review commentary it and Twitter people, and so I think it just people on Twitter like. <laughs> I think it. I think that the folks at Warner like this is as good as anybody. For them, you know, I'm honestly here's how I feel about James Gunn. Uh, I think DC was being run by people that were bad before this. I think it continues to be run by people that are bad and make bad movies. Um, 
I'm glad it didn't go to JJ. I think JJ Abrams, I think we like maybe underestimate how much the movie industry like actually did see JJ ruin Star Wars and he is kind of like undergoing punishment for uh for fucking up a Star Wars trilogy. Um cuz I think that, you know, if he had pulled off Rise of Skywalker well enough to get the 500 people on Twitter to argue saying it was good, um he'd probably be running DC right now. Yeah, I, I and it has to be clear. I, I didn't. I don't want to call it James Gunn failing up necessarily, because other people were offered the job and turned it down. Like people don't want to be in charge of this DC Studios, given all the chaos that has happened, including the you know the cancellation of Batgirl. What strikes me is this: like they could have made so much more money and saved. A hell of a lot of time. And even some of them could have saved their jobs if they just, like, stuck with the plan they were going with in the beginning. It, it, even get rid of Zack Snyder, but, like, I mean, if you really need to get rid of him, if you really feel upset about it, get rid of him, but then just keep the same Batman and Superman. It's the second guessing. Like, they're like, we're going to build a film universe, and we're going to start it over with every single movie that we make. We're going to second guess ourselves and start it over every single time. Uh, I do think it's like there was a weird sort of, like, personal seeming vendetta around anything to do with the Batman and Superman movies with Marvel yeah. with uh, Walter Hamada. Um, and I think we're seeing that with, with Henry Cavill being brought back as Superman now. Like it's not about, you know, uh, uh, Zack Snyder and whether you believe all the silly fucking bullshit about paid bots and what, who gives a shit. Like aside from all of that, Henry Cavill looks like Superman. You have a man that looks like Superman that millions of people went to see movies with him as Superman. And you've spent the last like seven years not showing Superman out of some weird personal bizarre vendetta or something like that. And uh, it just I don't know, like, I don't think I don't suspect that the the DC movies are going to be good. They haven't been good. Uh, I kind of am happy to not watch any fucking superhero bullshit anymore. Uh, but I do think at least that it's a step in the right direction to have the man who looks like Superman, who played Superman a bunch of times, continue to play Superman. Only reason he was not playing Superman was because and this, that Walter Hamada just did not want it to happen, like personally, for some reason. And The Rock was the one who had the campaign to get Henry Cavill to do this cameo in Black Adam after they had already wrapped. Just the most ridiculous thing, like the only reason The Rock wanted to do this is because he wanted to fight Henry Cavill's Superman. And it's like even down to after they filmed the movie, they still just can't say yes to that thing like it's just bizarre it's bizarre like why would you like why would you make give yourself this headache if you're just some dipshit studio exec i literally think it's because walter hamada saw a fucking instagram once where like there was a drawing with his head cut off by wonder woman or something like that like that's what it's all about is like he like got pissed off about online posts and for some reason blamed that on Henry Cavill. Like, again, I really don't care that much about all of it, but there, the, the, when you bring in some weird personal stuff like that into the running of a film studio, I think it just makes for sort of like perplexing and baffling decision making. It's so funny. I really do want to kind of dive in, do like a deep dive documentary because it's so bizarre, the twists and the turns. I mean, just Henry Cavill coming back and but him coming back does mean uh, we learned today 
uh, as he will be leaving The Witcher. Yeah. And being replaced by Liam Hemsworth. This is another headline that I had to look at several times to make sure it was real. I thought it was fake news. I was about to I was about to call up Elon's like, hey, you're supposed to be cleaning this shit up. There's no way that this would happen. There's no way that this tweet uh, from Witcher Netflix, it's official. The Witcher is returning for season four, and Henry Cavill will be handing his swords to Liam Hemsworth as the new Geralt of Rivia after season three. Welcome to the Witcher family, Liam Hemsworth. It's happening, you know. Uh, uh, I I don't watch the show. I, I, you watch it, right? And and, you're, yes. and everyone really like Cavill is like a weird nerd guy, right? And he is like you know very into the Witcher lore and everything like that, right? Yes, absolutely. And people are speculating that this was part of the problem. Uh, he has talked openly in interviews throughout throughout the show's uh, history. He's he uh, he did film season three that hasn't been released yet. But he's talked extensively about the fact that he's always trying to give notes of trying to make the character more like the books and try to make the show more like the books. And uh, Bo uh, DeMaio, who's a writer who worked on The Witcher, while he was doing a tour because he's doing the um, new X-Men cartoon, he mm. mentioned the fact that when he was working on The Witcher, a bunch of the writers there and show and some of the producers there had a disdain for the books and the games and the source material which made it difficult to work on the show and do and you know make the show you know what it needs to be and certainly hit and so like you said yes henry cavill is a nerdy guy who did get mad about the fact that Geralt like didn't do as much philosophizing as he liked to he didn't give as many as much of his commentary that he has in the books. And I have to say, the books are good. They're actually genuinely good books. You know, there's nothing wrong with them or embarrassing about them. They're much better than like any, uh, you know, the average TV prestige TV show. And I think there are better than the Witcher TV show, more or less. You have to make, uh, you have to make sacrifices. If you want Cavill back as Superman, you're going to have to watch Liam as uh, the Witcher. This is just the way things go. You know, be careful. What, this is a be careful what you wish for situation. It's garbage. People are legitimately angry about this. Like, it's such a downgrade. It's like I, people would have accepted. I, I think people would accept it like Chris Hemsworth, you know, like <laughs> at the very least, get the biggest Hemsworth that you can get. You can't replace henry cavill with the lesser hemsworth is liam liam's not a superhero right i I just don't think you can get uh anyone who's gonna be in these franchise superhero movies um to you know also be doing a netflix show i I think that this is a monkey's paw leslie you wanted cavill back as uh as superman unfortunately this is the way things have to go it is funny how quick he he dipped out. It's like, is there even a script for him yet? Like he's already like he, as soon as he signed the contract, he's like, uh, I'm out, guys. I, I my schedule is just filled up. <laughs> uh, 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 People uh, uh, were speculating actually he's just gotten into like a new Final Fantasy 14 expansion, and that's why he's not going to be uh, playing a Witcher anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he he's just built a new PC and he's like, uh, <laughs> sorry, everyone, I got to go. And staying within the realm of comic books and entertainment, we got some we're getting some hot tea from the Alan Moore press tour. Mm-hmm. Of course, people are reacting to his quotes about superhero comics. 
uh, and people being obsessed with superheroes and cinema is a precursor to fascism, which, of course, we at Struggle Session 100 percent endorse and agree with and don't mm-hmm. find controversial whatsoever. Totally fits with everything he said and basically all the work he's made in the work in the world of superheroes like since the 1980s. If you if you read any of it, what I want to talk about today is that Alan Moore finally revealed that, yes, Damon Lindelof uh, of Lost Fame and uh, the showrunner of HBO's Emmy Award winning Watchmen limited series because they're not doing another season uh, did contact him while in during the production of the show. Now listeners of struggle session and struggle session presents Alan Moore know that this is a no, no, this is not what you do. Alan Moore does not want you emailing him about the IP that has been stolen from him by Warner brothers or whoever just because you're the lucky dipshit who gets yeah. to adapt it at this point. You're the latest person who's been handed the keys to the thing that was stolen from him. Yeah, I, you know. And he's been very specific about this. In fact, the initial falling out, major falling out he had with DC was because Joel Silver pulled this sort of shit at a press conference for, I think, V for Vendetta. And claim that he was in contact with Alan Moore when he was not. And like this is when Alan Moore went like absolutely uh, scorched earth uh, with the it, with DC Comics and the industry. And that's why even this week there's a new Miracle Man volume. I think maybe not this week, this month. A new Miracle Man omnibus where he is only credited as the original author. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean, good for him. This, you know, this is continues, you know, what Alan Moore has been doing with these works for a very long time. But man, what's really wild about this one is just how completely fucking embarrassing Damon Lindelof is. You know, like this is a guy like he like thought he was like really trying to give off that he gets it. You know, and then he's like, oh, yeah, like me and Alan Moore, like we're in the same, you know, headspace. And like, I think I can like get through to this guy by, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know, by just being cool about it or something. And man, he comes off so corny and lame. All right. And so this is from an Alan Moore interview with GQ magazine. Uh, Damon Lindelof sends Moore a letter beginning, dear Mr. Moore. I am one of the bastards currently destroying Watchmen. That wasn't the best opener, Moore said of the showrunner letter. It went on through a lot of what seemed to me to be neurotic rambling. Uh, Quote, can you at least tell us how to pronounce Ozymandias? Good Lord. And this is Moore speaking. I got back with a very abrupt and probably hostile reply telling him that I thought that Warner Brothers were aware that they nor any of their employees shouldn't contact me again for any reason. (laughs) Moore continued. I explained that I had disowned the work in question and partly that was because the film industry and the comics industry seemed to have created things that had nothing to do with my work, but which would be associated with it in the public mind. I said, look, this is embarrassing to me. I don't (laughs) want anything to do with you or your show. Please don't bother me again. 
that he knew it was embarrassing even before he'd seen the embarrassing show. <laughs> you know, like this is the magic of Alan Morris. He knew, you know, just from reading uh, the letter from Damon Lindelof, how embarrassing this show was going to be. Moore goes on to say, when I saw the television industry awards that the Watchmen television show had apparently won, I thought, oh, God, perhaps a large part of the public this is what they think Watchmen was. Yeah. You know, they think Watchmen is a show where it's about like how if if uh, cops aren't allowed to use their guns, you know, we're going to get like white supremacists, you know, redneck terrorists and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I barely even like want to reopen the can of worms because people were the most bizarre and insane that they've ever been uh, when I said that the Watchmen show was bad and pro cop. But also... I feel like people with television shows become the most passionate ever. They like become the most passionate about it and will go to the mat for it being the best thing of all time and then forget about it six months after it airs. Like it seems like nobody really cares at all about this Watchmen show anymore. Uh, but while the year it was coming out, we were like, this is one of the greatest pieces of art that has ever been made. Yeah, one of the most important things made by a white man about racism of all time, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I don't think anyone is, will, will ever rewatch it. Like, there is just something, like, very transient about about the Watchmen show. And, yeah, I mean, good for Alan Moore. I, I pray he never watches it because I think it would do him great psychic damage. And I know he never will. Yeah, in fact, Moore says, I would be the last person to want to sit through any adaptations of my work. From what I've heard of them, it would be enormously punishing. It would be torturous right. and for no very good reason. Yeah, I mean, this one barely even counts as an adaptation of his work. So I feel like it might be the most embarrassing. <laughs> I think it really might be the most annoying one to watch uh, because it like, I don't know. It just it's so divorced. It's so completely divorced from uh, uh, from what the original work is. And it's so funny, too, that he sent him this cloying letter, but then when he was doing the press tour, he was like, well, Alan Moore doesn't want to do me to do this, but he's punk, he was punk rock then, and I'm punk rock now. I'm going to do my own thing. Meanwhile, he was like sitting like, dear sir, I'm one of the baddies, you know, that's messing up your thing. Can you tell us how to say Ozymandias, sir? <laughs> Can you tell us how to say it? Um, yeah, a, very, very corny. What annoys me the most is that, like, well, if you wanted to impress him, why did you just make the show good? <laughs> like, like if you had actually made the show like good, well, like, I think it that probably would have worked. I think he tried. I think he tried his best, but this was sort of Damon Lindelof's best. I don't know. I mean, listen, I like Prometheus. I like the leftovers just fine. Damon's got like can can pull it out here or there, but but man, uh, Watchmen did not do it for me. I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot because I've th been thinking about what would be the Lindelof like four pack at Walmart. It would be like <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens, Star Lost. Trek, Star Trek in the darkness. Are you talking darkness. about movies? Oh, yeah, Star good. Trek in the darkness, good. Tomorrowland. And the hunt, which, yeah, no, no, no. which we talked about on this show, features one of the most embarrassing endings I've ever seen in the movie, where the um, blue state, the the uh, blue state uh, antagonist faces down with the red state antagonist, and they have a moment. Uh, of you know camaraderie because the blue stater realizes that this inbred yokel, yokel has read Animal Farm. 
And Damon Lindelof wrote that in an actual script for an actual uh, movie. So how dare he ever email Alan Moore? Yeah, Damon, Damon is one of the one of the great hacks, but you know, uh, he should have kept his kept it to himself and just taken the money. You know, just do the heist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just do the heist. <laughs> All right, and a heist is going down. Jack, our freedom of speech is being taken away. Musk has taken over Twitter. Uh, I yeah. I know people are are fleeing the website in droves. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, it used to be. I mean, it was great. It was all good just a week ago, and mm-hmm. now you know, Elon Musk has taken over, and now it's just gotten bad now it's it's so funny like this is the first time that all these media reporter all these fancy media people have been on a web forum where a new mod was put in place that they weren't happy about and so it's going to be headline news now for months we are gonna have to look at nothing but headlines about every fucking thing that the mods are doing on on uh, twitter i saw an article that was like Use of the N-word has increased by 500% since Elon took over. I'm like, this. you're writing an article about how you're searching the N-word on, on like a website? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, ah, from before, I got the N-word way less. I, I think that, you know, first of all, I don't even think people, like, really use Twitter that much. And, you know, it mostly is, like reporters that use twitter and a lot of it is reporters who haven't left the house since covid and do all of their reporting exclusively on twitter like deeply afraid that if the website gets messed up they might have to leave the house again sometime soon um but yeah i i i think there are a lot of people who truly believe that they're going to leave twitter because of this and i truly don't think that they're going to yeah, I, I, I don't see it happen just because there's no good website to go to. Like, what is the new app? Like, we've been waiting. Like, it was, all right, it was Friendster, okay? Then we got MySpace or Facebook, or maybe it was vice versa. Then we got Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. But then it's kind of like, you know, what's next? Like, what it, we're supposed to get a new product at some point, but we've had the same dog shit for the for the past few years, and none of them are offering anything interesting. The website was bad last month. It's going to be bad next month. It's bad today. Um, Elon, if anything, it's just really funny. Like, Elon shared some fucking article from, like, a, you know, this site is not fact-checked and correct about, like, Paul Pelosi and it got all the like, you know, the standard cast of characters all upset and, you know, mad at each other or mad about it. And well, that's funny to see, you know, it's funny to see everybody getting mad again. It's almost like Trump being back on Twitter or something (laughs) like that. Like now there's just someone that like everybody's all pissed off about all the time. Um, And you can watch everybody get like their knickers in a twist every day. Um, and so I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe we need to refocus away from destroying people's lives because they like, you know, said that they like to like go outside and enjoy the sun or something like that. Like maybe we need to like refocus the eye of Sauron onto one rich guy. And maybe that's what Twitter really needs. Yeah. And, but, and there he has, Elon has taken a little bit of heat for how he's managed uh, Twitter so far, allegedly firing nine executives. He was trying to screw them out of their like, 
golden parachute packages or whatever. Yeah, when don't they got give a fired. shit. Don't like, care. like, who cares? Like, I don't, don't care. Like, I'm sure a bunch of people who don't deserve to get fired will be are going to get fired by him. But I don't feel sorry for any of the executives at the company. <laughs> like, come on. I, I, I just don't care that much in general. You know, I really like, you know, Twitter is like profiting off of you know all of our posts and they're not even turning that big of a profit you know the website sucks uh i feel bad for people losing their jobs but uh, i don't know i uh, i think that they probably had like hammocks and like you know uh, uh arcade machines and stuff like that and so i just don't really fucking care that much and if anything I don't think he will because I think very little is actually going to change. But if Elon Musk did manage to destroy Twitter, he will have finally done a service for humanity in a way that he never was able to do with the Teslas or the rocket ships. If he ruins this website, he will have made the world a better place. Why are the Twitter employees like mad at Musk for going and doing the thing that everybody knew he was going to do? Why has there been so little heat on like Jet at Jack? For wanting to sell the company in the first place. Well, I don't think he actually had control. I think he's like pushed out at this point. But you are right that it is like the people that got pushed out, the golden parachute guys, like they're the ones who were like, we're taking the offer. Like the very second it came in, you know, like <laughs> this was like the board was immediately like, yes. And I think that's because the website um, is not profitable. I think that it's like a sort of influential website that some people use, not even as many as, you know, TikTok or fucking, you know, Instagram or these other websites, but it's used by media figures who really value their uh, blue uh, JPEG by their name. Um, but I, I don't think it really turns like a profit. And I think probably they all saw, damn, like, you know, if we and I also think Elon was probably right, you know, about the thing that he was trying to back out of the deal over. Not that I think I think it was funny that they made him go through the deal. But all these websites are lying about their user numbers and they're all using like automated accounts to inflate the user accounts and everything like that. And I think he was probably right about that. And I think they all probably know that. And they're like, damn, let's get out of here before the fucking ship sinks. Like, let's take the money right now. All right. And last but not least. Um, another tragic attack on our democracy. Nancy Pelosi's husband. It does feel like we live in crazy times. It's ultimately, it's like, what did you think was going to happen if you willed tremendous power and wealth and fame in a society that's crumbling and falling apart and more and more people are going to be desperate and angry? What else do you think is coming? It feels like a little bit like like biblical punishment for, you know, all of his like massive wealth being built off of insider trading, you know, from like uh, congressional like information and stuff like that. Like they've built massive wealth and now Paul Pelosi sort of has to like be the job for Nancy's sins, you know, with the uh, the. The lifestyle that they have, he's the one who's got to get caught for drunk driving. He catches the hammer to the head and everything like that. I don't know. Like, a lot of people are being ground down. There's a lot of violence happening in the country. I, you know, I don't think I'd take a hammer to someone's head personally, but I, I kind of agree with you that I'm like, what do we think is going to happen? What do we think is going to happen as things descend? Folks, hate to leave it on a downer note. Maybe we can. Get some upbeat, morbid notes. Jack, you got any horror movies you've been checking out lately? 
Oh, you know, I rewatched. I rewatched. Uh, uh, you know, I've been doing a little bit of rewatching this year. Uh, I rewatched the first Halloween, which is just an is like a really fucking solid movie. That's a real good slasher. I also watched the latest Halloween, uh, which stinks. I watched Halloween Ends and it fucking yeah. stinks. You know, I kind of even liked that first David Gordon Green Halloween, but man, they were not. They were like, I think they were like forced to do a trilogy and they just did not have a trilogy in them, you know, and this whole new one being about fucking Corey. It's all about Corey and passing the torch. Not into it. I liked the first one, but I think I said even on the show, like it had a lot of tonal problems. I didn't know if it wanted to be uh, what I found out when I watched the sequel to that one. It didn't know if it wanted to be like a, a slasher horror movie or like a comedy, like just a straight yeah. up comedy and this halloween kills is just like a straight-up comedy and halloween ends i didn't really get through it like i just it didn't it did not have a tone a consistent tone like it it did that thing that movies always do now legacy movies always do now where they show clips of the original and it makes you feel oh momentarily oh this is what movies used to feel like and then you're dropped back into the cheap streaming era version yeah, and lighting is so much worse that's the thing that i noticed when i watched the the back-to-back new halloween and the first halloween is i'm like wow they really used to like light movies um there is right now leslie some breaking news on the elon topic you know that i think we should probably mention because it is very funny apparently they are thinking of forcing verified users to subscribe to Twitter Blue at $5 a month or they'll lose <laughs> their badge, um, which is very good. A, a new Fair. way to know how corny it is to have a blue check mark. Uh, I think that'd be very good. I think that, you know, honestly, there's stuff I like about it, yeah, about Elon jumping in. And so, and if we, if the check mark means that you're paying Twitter $60 a year um, and the people that still have it are doing that, I, I think I'm into that. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I like it. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. Have you been watching any good horror lately? Uh, yes, yes. I We did an uh, episode of Vampire Castle about this, but the interview with the Vampire TV series is excellent. It's mm. amazing. It's the best show on TV. I really, really dig it. Uh, I also recommend, if you have not checked it out yet, Cure by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Seen lots of chatter about that lately. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I think one of the greatest films of all time and i would also recommend checking out the grudge series i feel like hmm. that one's been kind of been slept on everybody's talking about the ring like the grudge is better the grudge i promise you is is the best of the j-horror uh ghost uh movies aside from kiyoshi kurosawa's uh pulse uh but yeah i i actually asked people to name some of their favorite horror movies of all time and there's I got so many different cool, interesting answers. I actually think, you know, coming away with it, maybe horror is just the best genre for film because there's so many good, high quality horror movies that everybody, you know, can agree on is just absolutely fucking rip. And I was thinking maybe we need to start doing a horror canon uh, to mm. supplement. You know, we were doing the movie canon. We need to do a horror canon episode sometimes. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Folks, that was Struggle Session. Have a good one. Peace. See ya.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.